0: podcast. My name is Jay Riggling and I'm the host. We are back here for the final episode of the weekend. It's going to end off our here a little business side of sports series going on two great episodes here so far this weekend. Got another one another great episode here today. We've got the Card Stock Exchange founder well co-founder and CEO. We got Zachary Lynch on the show doing a bunch of cool stuff right now I really want want you guys to go check them out here after you listen to Zachary talk about the company. Um, I I believe in my opinion, I love what they're doing, I think they're ahead of the game when it comes to this type of stuff. Like I said, you're going to learn more about this during this interview with Zachary Um, but today we discussed his idea for the company, how it all came about what some of the difficulties were with that we talk about how to become a CSE athlete and what exactly that is what is is that program within their company. We dig into the memorabilia billion making process so how they go about it compared to some other companies talk about the upcoming vision as well he's got a lot of cool ideas cool ideas for stock exchange i'm really excited to see where he goes with that um, but let's just dig into the episode hope you guys enjoy the interview as much as i did and let's roll to the jkr podcast today we have cardstock exchange ceo and founder we got zachary lynch on the show zachary super pumped to get you on the show man how you doing today
1: oh man doing well doing well like i said just enjoying some sunday football and can't wait to get started on the podcast
0: there we go uh so one question i do like to ask everybody as soon as they get on the show is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is zachary lynch
1: yeah, so I usually sum it up by saying I'm a current grad student at Texas A&M University, studied finance undergrad here, and now I'm pursuing a master's degree. And I'm also the founder of Cardstock Exchange, which is my sports memorabilia startup that we'll touch on throughout the podcast.
0: Okay, there we go. Let's let's just go in and let's just dig into it now. So, yeah. um, talking about card stock Exchange, so let's just let's just dig into how the company got started. When did the idea come about, and like kind of how long did that whole process take? Of going through from the idea stage to actually make it an official company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully this answer is not too long winded, but I'll kind of give you the brief history. So card exchange was founded in 2019 with the goal of becoming a trading card and memorabilia marketplace. So if you go on our website, you'll see a whole marketplace for trading cards and that still is an end goal of ours, right? I am a lifelong trading card collector, with a background in finance, and I wanted to kind of combine my two passions and say, "Hey, let's give this commodity, which is a trading card, a true marketplace to transact, where you can see all the financial history, where you can treat it kind of like a stock." And that's the premise we ran with, and we're very close to finishing that. Uh, where I was really waiting to promote that side of the company once our apps are launched. Um, our Android app is done, and we're hopefully going to be done with the iOS app soon. But the way that you and I connected Jace was through the CSE athlete side. And so that's really the side we've been ramping up a lot this past year. So this was fa- the CSE athlete side was founded in October of 2022. Yeah. 20, no, 2021. My bad. I'm a, I'm a year. Ahead. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. And so this started right when NIL became a thing. And the interesting story behind this is I got to become friends with the baseball player at AM, who was a second round pick, And we just kind of got to know each other through class. And he was like, hey, you know, why don't you make trading cards for athletes, right? You know, a lot of athletes are severely underpaid for their memorabilia. And he said, why don't you kind of solve that issue for them, especially with NIL? And so I had that idea and we ran with it. And we officially launched the (coughs) CSE platform on our website, um, the CSE Athlete Tabs in about December and our first athlete launch was Armani Watts of the chiefs. And that was in January. And we've just been full steam ahead from there. Just, you know, really truly trying to become that premier marketplace where athletes can design their own trading cards and sell them to their fan base.
0: Yeah. So before you had that conversation with that uh, second rounder at Texas A&M was the idea to not, not really involve, like be not really have a CSC athlete program, or was there always a plan to have a CSC athlete program but then that conversation with that guy just kind of ramped that process up.
1: Yeah, so a little bit of both. So really the CSE athlete was born out of that conversation. But I always had the vision of working with athletes um, in some capacity. So for the marketplace side of our company, I always pulled myself, you know, as a small startup, you want to do as much free marketing as you can. Right. And so my logic was, hey, the people who are buying and selling these trading cards are also fans of the players, ideally. Right. So an ideal way to market would be to connect with players and somehow do some sort of free marketing where they get a benefit out of it by promoting us on their um, social medias. And that's the benefit for us. And their benefit is whatever I would come up with. Right. I didn't really have that idea at the time, Um, but CSE athlete kind of became that idea. And I didn't really know where we were going to run with it. I always still thought CSE athlete would be an end goal of just, like I said, marketing for the actual marketplace um, by bringing on customers, but it's really evolved into what it is today and, that's kind of exciting. And I I love where it's been going.
0: You did mention that you guys are working on that app process. Uh, Your Android app's done and your Apple app is on the way. Um, So when that app does launch, what different uh, goals is this going to help you? What what, what is the goal uh, once these apps do launch?
1: Yeah. So the apps just really give us a broader market, right? So right now it's, it's kind of tough because if you wanted to use our platform on your phone, you'd have to go on the Safari app and everybody knows how, you know, the true Safari browser version of a website is much better on a computer, just in terms of the layout and the functionality versus on your phone. And so having that app will lead to just a, a big functionality increase for our customers. And that's truly when we do plan to launch the marketplace side. And like I said, you know, grow that as well because the marketplace um is a lot more functional through an app as people. If you're buying and selling cards, if you're not at your computer, you're not going to log on to your browser to do it. You're just going to log on to an app. And same with CSE Athletes. So once an athlete's product launches, you can now just log on to the app, get notifications, um, you know, set up notifications for when they do launch and always kind of have that constant feed coming. So it'll be a lot better in terms of functionality for our users.
0: Yeah. So when you say Marketplace, when that does launch, so you guys don't have the Marketplace right now or – because from looking at your website, you guys are still are selling cards at this moment, correct?
1: Yeah, so it, it's functional, but it's not – I think it'll be a lot better with the app. And that's kind of what I've realized through a bunch of customer discovery is people – we have done a decent amount of transactions through the marketplace itself um, when we were promoting it heavily before CSE Athletes. But um, what I kind of – the constant feedback I got was like, you know, we would prefer an app and that's going to allow us to use it um, at our convenience wherever we are. Yes. And so, Yeah.
0: So before, before you did start the CSE athlete program, um, what were the, the, the goals kind of change? Like has the CSA athlete, has that kind of ramped up the, I guess, the process of launching this marketplace or how exactly did NIL kind of change the goals for the company when you had that conversation with that, with the second rounder on um, that A&M, how did that kind of change the whole, the outlook on things?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, it was really um, creating something tangible at the current moment. So I was kind of tired of waiting for the app to be developed, you know, because developing an app takes a long time. And I was like, you know, I felt like I was kind of twiddling my thumbs. Right. And so in the meantime, I was like, I have to do something to grow our brand, the CSE brand, and get involved with athletes in some capacity because that was ultimately my goal. Like I kind of mentioned, I just didn't know how I wanted to do it. And so the CSE athlete from there, I just really... I mean, I've devoted so much time and energy to growing this truly. Um, And that's just where my focus has been for the past, uh, I guess, since January of 22. And so, yeah, it's really it's really helped me dive into hopefully become that leader in the NIL space when it comes to trading cards. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't think I don't think I've seen a company like yours when it comes to give uh, giving college athletes their own trading cards because I mean that's kind of something I have been looking for these past couple months and I was just scrolling through one day saw you guys' company I was like man this is exactly what I'm looking for so I mean I don't think I mean I've been looking I don't think I think like I like you said I think you're head of the game on this one. Um
1: I, I like to think so.
0: <laughs> but um on your guys' website you do have a you do have a guy Joseph Escobar who's listed as a co founder. So mm-hmm. how did you get connected with him and then kind of what different roles do you guys play within the company?
1: Yeah, so Joseph is my co founder, um, and I like to call him the the CFO. So, Joseph um, is a grade below me, and he's just very good at the whole financial, um, just the side of things, right? So, we're both finance majors by background, but he was really into that, I guess, um, that side of the business world. And so, he's developed all of our financial models, pitch decks, stuff like that. And, you know, he's been my right hand man at pitch competitions across the country. And he, like I kind of mentioned to you, he was the guy that got us in touch with Ivan, who's been our best client because him and Ivan played high school baseball together. They're from the same hometown. And uh, yeah, so he's been a great, a great valuable asset to the company.
0: Yeah. So you said the company got started in 2019, but when did the idea all come about and was Joseph a part of this or was this kind of like the idea stage kind of on your, on your side of things?
1: Yeah. So the idea really was a thing in 2018. So my freshman year of college, um, well, yeah, I guess I was a freshman in 2017 and 2018. So, cause you start in August um, but I was part of the entrepreneurship program at a and I kind of did like a separate entrepreneurship program, um, to the side of my major, right? There's like a little program we did freshman year and it really made you come up with a business idea that was part of the program. And so for me, it was like, Hey, I'm always been into trading cards. It's like, I've done this as a hobby since I was 10 years old. What kind of, you know, idea can I come up with in this space? And Ie the marketplace, right? You know, people were always frustrated with buying on eBay as that was like the only way to buy trading cards. And um eBay is a marketplace for everything, not for trading cards. And so they don't have a lot of the dedicated features that trading card uh people want. And I kind of took from StockX what StockX did for shoes and clothing, right? They said, look, let's give the that community a dedicated marketplace. And so from there I developed CSE and launched it officially in 2019. That's when we became incorporated, became an LLC and, and all that stuff.
0: It comes into the naming I mean card stocking, that's a pretty cool name. So How when it went into naming the naming the company, kind of what was that process like? What was going through your head when it came to overall as an overall brand, and like were there some different ideas that you were throwing around in your head?
1: Yeah, we had man, we had quite the naming process going. Um, It's funny, I saw a list the other day of some of the names we had. Um, Like one of them was like Invictus and um, like sports. I I, I forgot what it was, but I was looking at the list and I'm like, geez, these were like really bad names. I don't know (laughs) where we came up with them. Um, but I, I remember it was also challenging because you wanted the domain name, right? And so you had to go and GoDaddy, make sure the domain name wasn't taken or it wasn't too expensive, stuff like that. And so when it came down to it, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be an acronym. I wanted it to be like, you know, a couple letters because that's how most businesses are associated, right? Like UPS or, you know, even eBay or, you know, Visa, stuff like that. Like you say the acronym, but there's a whole another name behind that company yeah. right? that stands for And so the company Card Stock Exchange was like, had I mentioned the marketplace, right? Card Stock Exchange, it's a card and then slash stock exchange. Um, So it's a stock exchange for trading cards. And that's really where the name was born. And I really liked the way that CSE sounded. And I felt like you could do a lot with that. Um, you know, if we ever wanted to expand into the other collectibles, CSE also stands for collectible stock exchange, right? So there was a lot I felt like I could do with that. Um, and that's where we rolled with it.
0: So as you went through this entire process, obviously the idea stage, branding stage, actual launch stage, what was like the most difficult part of the entire process of getting the company off its feet and up and going?
1: Oh man, easily the tech side. Um, you know, I developed all of the tech, like on, paper right like what I wanted the functionality to be everything everything you see on the website I designed myself um, but it needed to be done technically speaking right and so I spent an entire summer trying to build it on my own learn like website building stuff like that and just realizing you know, this isn't going to work right my time needs to be devoted elsewhere to growing this and it was tough, you know. they being in Texas, being at A and M. It's not really a tech school like a Stanford or like a Harvard, right? So finding that technical co-founder was very difficult. Uh, we spent, you know, I went to go pitch at our coding club. I went to numerous different. Man, I tell you, I would travel across Houston talking to people, LinkedIn, everything. Just tried everything, and I got to the point where I'm like, you know, we need to just get this built. How are we going to do it? And so, we were actually invited to be part of an incubator. In Houston, but they're like kind of a national name. And so, you know, they were going to charge us a certain amount. It was going to be like a you know a process, yada, yada, yada. And long story short, I just didn't feel comfortable doing the deal because there was an equity percentage we'd have to give up. And I just said, you know, if they're going to be building the website for us, I know that they're going to outsource the development. And that was the thing that we ran into is we were constantly being quoted by United States companies and man, the quotes were hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars 300000 right? And I'm like, dude, we're a startup company. You can't afford that. Um, and that's because these companies will build your product or they'll just outsource it and double the rates, right? And so I just figured, why don't we go directly to the outsourcing um, source? And so I, I found a company in another country that I truly felt comfortable with. Um, I interviewed a lot of different companies and this was one that I felt comfortable with and they gave us a rate that I felt was very affordable. And that was the biggest hurdle by far.
0: Okay. So you, yeah. besides that tech stuff, you also do have a lawyer on staff. So is that – how did you go about the process of finding the lawyer? And you also have another – I believe it's four it's, – you guys have a four-person team. So when was it that you decided to add those two other guys besides you and Joseph? And when did you decide that you're like, okay, I, we really we really need a lawyer on staff? Um, like I said, I, I read over that contract. I really – I I mean, it was a well-written contract, so I wasn't sure if it was you or actual lawyer who did it. Um <laughs> yeah. So just – when did you decide to add those two other people onto the staff?
1: Yeah, so the lawyer is is a family member, um, but I wouldn't say they're part of the staff. It's more like they're they're a business role. They they're more so a business development role. Like they help me with a lot of the business stuff. They just also happen to be a lawyer, but they're really a business advisor. If that makes sense. Yeah. And um, so they they happen to um, help with. It's it's convenient that they help with that, right? Um, that does help. Um, I guess every startup needs a little bit of luck here and there, and that was kind of one for us. Is that? That was a cost that thankfully we don't have to um, front all the time. But, you know, there are like legal, there is legal costs with, you know, writing your articles of um, incorporation, filing, stuff like that. Um, but day-to-day stuff like contracts, yeah, it's nice to be able to have that on, on standby. Um, and then the other guy, Michael Gooden, he is, uh, he was my mentor in the trading card space. So I got to know him when I was 10 years old at a card show, like he would set up a table, And I would always go to his booth, buy stuff, and he just kind of got to know me over the years. And we've just become really good family friends with their family. And um, like I said, he was my mentor in the hobby, would teach me things um, about what cards to buy, what to sell. And um, every year we set up at a show together in Houston where I just sell my personal collection, right, uh, with him. And it's just been a tradition we do. But he's just very well connected in the trading card space. And so he really handles all of our marketplace stuff. So kind of going back to the two sides of our company, the two arms, I handle all the CSE Athlete stuff and he takes control of all the marketplace stuff because he's very well connected in that space, both um, in the U.S. and internationally. And so whenever we decide to actually fully uh, grow that side of the company, he's going to take the reins on that.
0: Okay. So moving into your actual childhood of um, collecting all these, collecting all these cards and just having that as your hobby. So – what did you mostly collect like i'm not i'm not big into like the whole card game i was a big like autograph memorabilia type of guy uh, type of kid when i was a little kid i like i go to like minor league games and get all these top prospects stuff like that so did you focus on what types of cards were you looking at like autographs so what when you were going to all these card shows with your mentor like what were some what were some like deciding factors you would decide on before actually purchasing a card
1: yeah, no, it's funny, too. I used to do the same thing you did, man. I'd go to um, Astros games all the times because I'm from Houston, and I would get, like, you know, God, I've signed baseballs from back in the day of, like, Trout, Harper, stuff like that. It's pretty cool, and they were all, like, first coming up, um, but to answer your question about the trading card side, so I really started off collecting baseball cards, which is funny because I don't collect baseball cards anymore, um, but I started off prospecting, and so I would go – and do a lot of research on a prospect. Um, in the minor league system, i focus on hitters primarily and say, hey, who's going to be the next big hitter? And I would buy up a lot of their trading cards, uh, kind of like their first edition signed rookies. And would flip them once they went pro or when they became kind of, quote-unquote hot, right? Like they'd just become mainstream, I guess. And so I really started off with Harper was one of my first big ones. Uh, Trout was another one that I did a lot with. Um, Aaron Judge, and believe it or not, he had rookie cards in like 2012. That's how far back he goes. And um, yeah, so those were some of my bigger guys up front. And then from there, I took that money um, and invested it more in football and basketball because I saw that was a growing market and it wasn't so, I guess, focused on prospecting, right? You kind of, it was a lot easier. You didn't have to wait for a guy like five years in the minors, right? Um, And so I primarily shifted to that. And today I, I really focus on more, I would say, proven commodities more than just speculative guys. So, you know name you pick your any of your players and i try to focus on them like my biggest last two bets were josh allen before last year um so before his breakout year i did buy a lot of allen and then this off season i was buying a lot of justin herbert I, i'm a firm believer in herbert so those are my two guys right now
0: so so even when you were a kid you were still trying to flip like like you said prospect, and you were still trying to flip these cards to make a little bit of cash like you weren't doing it just like hobby specific to be like oh i have to 15 years down the road be like oh i have a Bryce Harper rookie card Bowman uh, signed. You're just kind of doing it to flip cards as well, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, it was it was more to learn business to make money stuff like that, right? Like I would take every birthday money I had, every Christmas money I'd had. I'd, I'd invested in this um, for Christmas and birthday. If my parents or family members said, "What do you want?" I'd say, you know, I'd want a trading card or I'd want um, just just things, right? I didn't I didn't want things that didn't really provide value. I wanted things that were more of an investment. Um, and maybe that's why I became a business major, right? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. my mind was always geared towards that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I do hold some cards to answer your question. There's, so all the memorabilia I own, I don't sell. Um, I just keep that. So every year I'll buy one or two nice memorabilia pieces um, just for my personal collection. And then there's some trading cards, which, yeah, I, I just do not sell um, just to hold forever kind of thing.
0: Yeah, man, my, the, my, my best player when I was when I was prospecting back as a kid, my best player who I was, I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a lot of money off this guy. And for a while, up until about, about a month and a half ago, I thought it was gonna be the same way. But I got so much stuff of Tatis back when oh, he was man. playing in A Ball, and I was like, Man, I'm gonna be able to sell this stuff for a lot of money. But I mean, I don't know, man, with this 80 game suspension, who knows what's gonna gonna go on <laughs> here in the future. But Yeah, he has a
1: he has a finite he had a finite window uh about a year ago where his where his stuff was on fire. Uh, but I think once he comes back, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm hoping so. Yeah. But um so when you guys did start when you guys moving back into card stock exchange when you guys did start in 2019 how fast did you see the company grow um just overall as a whole
1: Yeah that's a, that's a good question man so it's funny we actually so for those who don't really know the trading card market really boomed under covid so there was um it kind of it's and it's been growing ever since steadily but more at a uh, at I guess a, a steady pace as opposed to that just initial boom Um, That is saw in 2020. And so, you know, we did beat the market in in a sense with our idea, but the problem was the tech that really held us back in terms of our market timing, right? Um, Just searching for that, that missing piece of how to build the tech. And so we spent way too much time um, on that. And so I, I, I saw initial growth because we were going to pitch competitions doing very well. Our idea was people told us they loved our idea But when you don't have an actual product, you're just pitching a vision, right? You're pitching a vision constantly. And so um, not having that product really did hold us back. And that's why I really did devote – I have been – not even did. I I still am devoting so much time to CSE Athlete because I'm seeing tangible growth. I'm seeing the value it's providing to these athletes – and I'm seeing the reaction that they, you know, they love having their own trading cards. And I'm seeing fans being like, yeah, I love buying trading cards of signed, you know, players for my alma mater. And so that, that growth that I'm seeing in the CSE athlete side is really keeping me motivated to constantly, you know, get new clients, grow the brand, come up with new designs. Um, have new partnerships all the time stuff like that
0: yeah so how do you generally go about these partnerships with with becoming making athletes a CSE athlete obviously I'm sure there's athletes reaching out I know you mentioned Ivan Melendez um, your co-founders buddy um, you also mentioned a couple guys from a and um, so when you did start the CSE program how did you start initially reaching out to players and how is how has that kind of changed or even stayed the same um, as you guys have gotten a little bit bigger and bigger
1: yeah absolutely man so it's, it's it's i can give you a lot a lot of stories on that' because it's been quite the journey um so it's right now on the c s e athlete um page you'll see um a bunch of athletes, but we have so many more um whose trading cards are still being signed that I haven't like promoted as an athlete yet right um on our website for that matter on instagram i have and so when it first started um you know I really attribute um a lot of this to um they're King Sports and Entertainment. They're an agency um, who gave me my first chance, right? Uh, they gave me Armani Watts, uh, Leon O'Neill Jr., who was an Aggie, and then Austin Bryant of the Detroit Lions um, were three clients that he allowed me the opportunity to do, and he was truly the first agent to give me a chance. And so once we did items with those guys and, we, and you know, I had I could go to other agencies and say, hey, you know, we have a proven track record with some athletes, stuff like that. You know, you you can take this seriously, right? That that was kind of the point. And so from there, we we grew into partnerships with other agencies. Um, you know, our, our one of our biggest uh, NIL clients was RJ Davis initially for North Carolina, the starting shooting guard. So when he had that run in March Madness, um, you know, with the Carolina basketball team, that was huge for us. And then getting, um, you know, having Ivan on board early, before we had Ivan before his season started, right? And he ended up winning the Golden Spikes and every major award. And so. Having these kind of key guys um, early on really did help propel growth because you can take those numbers as a business and, like I said, go to other agencies and say, "Hey, look at our proven track record. Look at the idea that we have. We have other big athletes on board. Um, we'd love to work with you guys." And so, from there, it really grew. Um, just you know, adding small athletes at a time, um, and now you know, I I don't. Mean this in a braggadocious way whatsoever, but we have agents reaching out to us now, right? Agencies, agents, kind of like yourself who found us on Instagram and they're like, yo, I love the work that you do. I want to partner with you guys, right? And so going from me hustling, just reaching out to agents, asking for a chance, right? Turned into, um, you know, people f- um, coming to us now, which is which is really nice. Um, but, you know, the, I, I don't get me wrong. I still get, you know, I still reach out to agencies or have agencies reach out to me and get rejected quite often. Um, because all different, you know, as you know, different agencies have different prerogatives, someone upfront money, uh, stuff like that. And that's been a big hindrance for us. Right. Um, and I will be honest with you, you know, we don't give players upfront money because my pitch to them is look, the whole point of the trading card industry and memorabilia industry right now is that you guys are severely underpaid for your autographs, right? You know, the common thing is athletes signing 10,000 stickers for two to $3 a piece, right? Where our pitch to them is like, look, you know, you're going to get X percent of your sales from us and you're going to keep... Over 50% of the sales of every item. So imagine what that comes out to on a per signature basis. And so when I tell agents that, you know, a lot of them are like, ah, well, you know, we want to give our clients upfront money. But the point is, is when we go to an athlete themselves, they all love our idea. They love the premise. They love the designs, how we incorporate their logo, their catchphrases, everything. Um, So there is kind of that back and forth. And I know it's a little off topic, but hopefully it kind of gives you a well rounded view of kind of where I'm coming from in terms of how we had to pivot from really hustling getting clients and then having these guys hit um and then really you know kind of the growth kind of comes from there
0: yeah so when someone does become a csc athlete what is that memorabilia making process so obviously the player signs the contract kind of what's the next steps from there and how does that how does that overall process how long does that process generally take
1: yeah so we keep it really simple and that's something we pride ourselves on too is how simple and how quick our turnaround is and so Um, once an athlete does sign their contract and like we kind of talked about earlier, I like to focus on, you know, clusters at a time just from an agency perspective, but let's just take an individual athlete, like one guy, right. Um, what that would look like is they sign a contract and then we'd go in a group chat together and I would just say, Hey, I need seven to 10 photos from you, of you in uniform because these are the images are going to be on the card, right? Like, I'm not going to go scour Google, um, for images that you don't like, like, give me the images that you personally like and would like to see on a trading card. And so they send those to me um, and then I ask for any nicknames, any brands, any logos, um, you know, anything that's unique to them. Right. Like stuff like that. And then I go and design three to four different designs. Um, Usually we have two to three designs that are pretty standard, I'd say, where I just change around colors. But it's like designs that our customers are so like they know. Right. Like, they know, oh, every CSE athlete is part of this one brand. But then we usually do two two different designs that are unique to that athlete. Um, and then once that's approved, we ship it off for printing. And once we get that back in hand, we ship it to the athlete with sharpies, instructions, prepaid envelope. They ship it back, and within a week, it's on our website and being promoted. So total, what we just discussed is probably three weeks, if that.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay so with obviously with nil, I mean. When athletes do have NIL deals, like the let's say like for Indy for Braden, for example, like when he has his card come out, like the the actual university, the Indiana Indiana University logo won't be able to be on that card. So let's say a player doesn't have like an own personal logo or something similar to that. Like how do you, like how do you go about like designing that card in, in that way? Because obviously you can't have the school logo. He doesn't have a personal logo. Like how do you go about designing the card that way? If yeah, you know, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great point. And so, like I kind of mentioned, you know, there's there's companies out there, like for example, Panini doesn't have a baseball license, right? So anytime Panini makes a baseball card, they can't do the logos, the uniform, etc. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I really think that they do a horrible job, and I don't mind saying that when it comes to like designing a card with no logos, right? It looks really bland. You can always tell there's no logos, stuff like that. So I like to pride myself on using athlete designs where it's like maybe their heads turned a bit so logos are covered it's not so noticeable that it's missing um different poses that athletes have you, you just it comes to a point where sometimes it's not noticeable even when they are on the uniform because of the pose that they're in right yeah um and but there are examples like ivan right you'll notice on all of our ivan cards we did something unique for him where across the whole jersey it says texas and i'm like oh that looks horrible when you remove that right and so for Ivan, what we did is we took that same font and we put his nickname on his jersey. So instead of Texas, it says um, El Titanic or Hispanic Titanic on his jersey, right? Um, and that's just something unique we do. Um, you know, other guys, um, one of our a and guys recently, we did something pretty cool with. Um, he was part of that number one recruiting class we had. So we actually took his recruitment day photos, like kind of like the photo shoot poses that they do where it's like just really cool poses that they have the guys do. Um, and we incorporated that into like a number one class theme. Um, and so just little things like that we do to spice up the card or, you know, don't use traditional photos, I guess is, is is my point, right? So a lot of companies will just find a photo of them in uniform. Whereas us will be like, well, you can just use your photo day photos, um, where you're just, you know,
0: really cool pose stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, with, well, I'm going to say this now with Brayden, you're going to be able to get a personal, he has three personal logos that just came out today. You're going to be able to use on his cards. So Oh, there you go. And <laughs> um, so there we go with that. Um, but just a couple more questions, uh, before we end off the podcast here. Um, so as you guys just continue into the future, you guys keep growing. Well, overall, what is your vision for the company these next couple of years? And just overall, what are some of your goals as you guys move into the future?
1: Yeah. So I'll start off with the CSE marketplace. Personally, I still think that's going to be a big goal for us. Um, You know, there have been a lot of trading card marketplaces that have popped up because of, of course, the boom, right? You know, a big market draws in other companies. And so for us, I still am a firm believer in the technology we have in, and and also the way that we're treating a trading card as an asset. Um, Nobody's doing what we're, I can't give away my trade secret, but what we're going to ultimately do with trading cards. And I'm pretty excited for once that becomes official um, and that way people can truly have a portfolio and marketplace where they can buy and sell trading cards. As like I said, that's been my lifelong passion. Um, the second part is CSE athlete. I'm a firm believer in, in what we're doing for athletes across the country at the collegiate and hopefully the pro level one day. You know, we, we do have some. Uh, strategic partnerships in place with pro, um, with, within the professional space that I, I can't touch on yet. But hopefully, once those come into fruition, we can really, you know, tap into the pro market. But in terms of the college market right now, um, you know, I think there's a big gap for um, athletes to be able to sell their signed trading cards to their fan base in a creative manner. And I think that there's a big need as you know, college fan bases are arguably bigger than pro fan bases, and so people want these, you know, mementos of their favorite players or the hometown guys, stuff like that. And I think that's our goal is to become that premier marketplace for that. You know, we also do one-off things where we do um, autograph events for players. We do help players with merchandising. So if you go on RJ Davis's um, Instagram, you'll see a merch section on his highlights on Instagram. And we did all that merch for him. And he's seen very good returns on that. Um, And so, you know, there's little things that we do to help athletes in terms of memorabilia and merchandise. But I I firmly believe in what we are doing as a, I I call it a creative athlete, um, a creative athlete firm. Okay. Have to create a memorabilia him. Yeah. Okay.
0: So now that you're currently in grad school, are you, it's like are you going to be planning on graduating this spring or do you still have another full year um for graduation of grad school?
1: Yeah, so I'll graduate in a year from this spring. So okay. I have quite some time left and honestly that's one reason I did go to grad school was so that I would have time to grow this part of the company.
0: Okay. So when you do hit graduation, obviously like you said, I mean you're still I mean pretty much a year and a half, two years away from that graduation date. Is mm-hmm. the plan to make this a full-time job? Can you keep it a side gig while you uh, have a another job to pay the bills? Like what, like kind of what's your, at this moment, like kind of what, what's your vision? What did you see when you think about maybe having a full-time job or just a side gig?
1: Yeah. So I just, dis- I mean, I've been growing CSE athlete with the hope of it becoming a full-time gig, right? You know, that's, that's one reason I went to grad school is because I needed a little more time to help, grow it into a full-time job and you know i i think in two years time i don't see a reason why we couldn't have this be full-time and so i'm really hoping for that
0: okay hey well i'm hoping for that too man Uh, now that we got (laughs) now that we got brayden hopefully sean and josh uh coming on soon i mean i'm hoping to keep this partnership and this relationship good for a long time and these next 25 30 years when i'm representing ballplayers uh Mm -hmm. get get some collaborations going but man that's all that's all the questions i got for you i really appreciate you coming on the show um, like I said, I'll scroll through Instagram one day, came across your page, uh, did a little bit of research on you, loved what you were doing. So that's the reason I reached out. i super pumped to get you on the show to kind of spotlight your uh, spotlight CSE. That way, all my listeners can kind of get to see what you guys are about. Um, so just really appreciate you coming on the show, man.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Jay. So it was a pleasure, man, and I look forward to growing that partnership as well.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR Podcast, another weekend of the JKR Podcast. Great weekend here with all three great guests. Can't wait to see how all three of these guests and all three of these companies grow and evolve over these next couple of years. Really want to thank all these guys for coming on the show. Want to thank Zach. Want to thank Luke and Brian. All great guys. Really enjoyed digging into their companies here. Um, but next week, again, we are going back into the top prospects. Back into actual the athlete side of things next weekend. We're set to announce our new partnership later on today with the top travel ball organization within the United States. Got a huge interview series going on with them. It's going to be 20, 25, heck, maybe even 30 if some extra guys join on here these next couple of weeks. um, Just... About five, six weeks, nothing but of this team's content. So I'm really excited for that. But if you want any more information on this, any more information on the players and the coaches I have coming on in weeks ahead, go check out our website. Go check out our social media. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast. It's going to be on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Our website, that's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. So I'll catch you guys next week. Check out our social medias. Check out, see what's coming on next week, and I'll catch you guys then.